You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for fun. We are recording tonight's show live from Plucker's Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd Drive. Bill Brown along with Steve Sparks. Pluckers is the official home of Astroline, the Astros hot stove show. So we're back here at home, Sparky. And uh, what is this, about our third Astroline show of the year? This is the third. Yep, absolutely. We've got a couple of uh, different players for the Astros who played big roles for the team uh, this season. So it was fun to get to, a chance to talk to those two. And we'll be hearing those interviews coming up in the next hour. Good to see a nice turnout here at Pluckers. On Now, is this the most beautiful day of 2020 in Houston, Texas for you? I, I think it is. You know, I, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and being able to uh, experience the winters in this Houston area is, is the reason why I love it. It's the reason why, I, why I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. The winters here in Houston, Texas couldn't be better. Today was kind of a Chamber of Commerce day for that oh, fact. Oh, man. I remember living up north when we'd have three feet of snow on the ground about this date of any year. Right. It, you know, we're talking baseball, but it's kind of hard to get into it, right? It was. You know, it, fe- <laughs> it felt like a dream. You know, you look out your window and think about it. But uh, uh, here you can get outside and wear shorts and a sweatshirt and, and play a little golf if you want to. Yeah. And we've always called it the hot stove league right. this time of year in baseball. And uh, maybe some youngsters listening uh, might wonder, why do you call it the hot stove league? Well, because typically this time of year up north when there was three feet of snow on the ground, uh, you'd gather around a hot stove to keep warm, and you'd talk baseball because baseball fans talk baseball year-round. That's the beauty of, of radio, I, I think, to begin with, is, is you get that image of people sitting around a, a living room, one of those big radios back in the day, uh, listening to Red Barber, whoever, uh, call a baseball game. And uh, that was a lot of fun, you know, and... Uh, I think that's what's drawn me to, to this medium. And I know you did a lot of television, but uh, for the radio, uh, being able to paint that picture has always been uh, the, the funnest part about this job. Exactly. And Vince Scully said in an interview many years ago that when he was a kid, he used to lie underneath the big radio set in his living room and listen to the games. And what really attracted him to sports was the crowd, the sound of the crowd. You know, you think about radio being the theater of the mind and you and Robert Ford dealing that every night. Uh, there's just something magical <laughs> about being able to describe what you're seeing to someone who isn't seeing it. You know what? I mean, so Robert and I got hired in 2013, and there wasn't a lot of fans at Minute Maid Park at that time because the team wasn't very good. So for the first two years, we had to fill up the airspace with a lot of words. But then when the team got good 2015 until present day, uh, we've been able to rely upon the, the crowd to fill up a lot of the noise and just kind of lay back. And that was part of the art uh, of calling these games. It was so fun. So this past season became a, a challenge <laughs> once again. Yeah. Maybe more of a challenge for our, for our engineer, Matt Bolts, to <laughs> be able to pipe in some of, the, some of the, uh, the crowd noise during the course of the season. But I'll tell you what, the playoffs, we kind of forgot about it. You know, we, we did miss the crowd. You know, there are certain mm-hmm. moments that we, we forgot uh, during the playoffs that the, there wasn't the fans there because uh, the team became very dramatic in itself. 
Yeah, that was quite a finish to the season, and the intensity was there, whether there were fans in the stands or not. Now, what do you think is going to happen in 2021 come playoff time? Do you do you visualize now that we have a vaccine, mm. uh, full stadiums for the playoffs, or what can you see a year from now? Well, I think a lot of it's going to uh, be state to state, you know, uh, first half of the season for sure. You know, we're starting to get the vaccines out now, so I think we're starting to get uh, a little traction as far as, you know, getting through this pandemic, That you know, fingers crossed for that. But, you know, there's certain states that are much more lax than others, you know, and I, I think that they're going to be able to benefit and have some of the uh, capacity that we're, we're hoping for. And I think it's going to get better and better as the season progresses. And hopefully by, by playoff time, we'll, we'll get that vibration in our chest that we're used to. Now, you've been able to uh, hear about some trade rumors involving the Astros recently. Read some stories in the paper. We read today that Justin Verlander, actually in his mind is thinking about pitching in 2021 which just blows me away do you think that's possible i think it's possible it doesn't surprise me that uh, he's ambitious uh i think he's one of the best pitchers of this generation i think he's a he's a hall of famer and i think a lot of that has to do with not only his talent but because of the way he thinks and i think he wants to pitch for uh seven or eight more years and, and i wouldn't put it past him and i think if anybody's going to uh, be able to get out there on the field for the last month or two of the season. I think it's going to be Justin Verlander, and I hope so. We haven't seen much on the trade market yet. We've we've had one or two free agent signings. James McCann got a nice deal. Yep. But um, things are kind of in a logjam situation yeah. right now. Do you think it's a slower moving off season than before because of everything that's happened prior to this? Well, I think it's correlated to to the revenue loss from a lot of teams in this last season, and it makes a lot of sense. You know. Uh, uh, a lot of the owners lost out on a lot of revenue from last season, so there's not as much to spend. So I think some people are probably on the sidelines waiting to see what's going to happen. Uh, maybe try to shop for some bargains a little bit later on. But I think uh, you got to be prudent. It, it, you know, and I think James Click is a very sharp and shrewd general manager that the Astros have in place, and I think he's going to make the right moves at the right time. We have plenty to talk about coming up. On AstroLine, we hope you'll stay with us. Pluckers is the official home of AstroLine, the Astros Hot Stove Show. And we'll be back from Pluckers Wing Bar in just a moment. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Stroh! Welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing, live from Pluckers Wing Bar at 1400 Shepherd Drive. Bill Brown and Steve Sparks, you can hit a home run this holiday season with a home run holiday plan. Choose between six or 12 games in the upper or lower bowl and receive a special Astros holiday ornament with your purchase. Ticket redemption for the flexible plan will be in March 2021. Visit astros.com slash ticket plans to learn more. Well, Sparky and I certainly enjoyed watching the Astros perform last year, especially in the playoffs. And with those two lefty relievers, they relied on so much. And we can't remember that many years in Astros history when they've had two no. outstanding relief pitchers. Can you? No. I mean, side? they were always so, uh, you know, 
shy of having lefty relievers out there, and they said, you know what, sometimes we don't care. They don't have to be a lefty to get out left-handed batters, but now finally having Blake Taylor and Brooks Raley out there has been a nice luxury for Dusty Baker. So he's just a few miles away, and how are you spending your holidays, Brooks? Definitely looking after some young girls. Uh, I got three little daughters, and so we're preparing for Christmas and Santa and all that fun stuff, but spending some time in deer blind and uh, supporting our local rifle company, so Definitely a busy off season and, and enjoying the cold weather. Where are you spending the winter? Um, in College Station currently, um, but spent a lot of time in Uvalde back supporting, like I said, our our firearms company. So our bolt action company has got some uh, Christmas presents to get out before. Uh, I guess we've got about ten days to get all that done. Let's delve into that for for a minute, Brooks. You and your brother, is that right? You guys started that company? Yes, yes. Uh, we started. Probably started the vision about four four years ago. My yeah. brother played at Tech and uh, finished up his baseball career. Didn't know what he was going to do. And um, I had purchased a couple of custom rifles. And I was like, you know what? I'm just really not fired up about what I've gotten. I think we can do it better. So I we uh, had him ship off to Colorado, go to you know the best gunsmithing school in the country. And from there, we kind of built a, built a program and got a 4,000-square-foot building down south, a big showroom, and, and manufacture everything right there from rifles to suppressors and uh, kind of dabbling in some ammunition and some new cartridges coming out this next year. So we're kind of on the accelerated plan, but wow. trying to be somewhere between Gunworks and Nosler and all that fun stuff. Has he taught you a lot about some of the stuff that he learned in Colorado? Uh, for sure. He's definitely the machinist in the family, so he's the yeah. perfectionist when it comes to manufacturing. Um, I'm more the CFO, so I ordered the – the, the bulk steel and, and barrels and um, from a production standpoint, logistically wow. speaking. So um, definitely a lot day to day. So we're, uh, we're doing, we're doing a lot, but we got a new wildcat. We're going to release some come January and have a pre-order for that. So uh, we're really excited about 21. Brooks, how do you get the word out about your business? You know, <laughs> as you go, you know, you start with, with two brothers with a great idea and then you're like, okay, well now we need a group of people to help us be as passionate as we are. So, everyone that works for us currently um, is all baseball players. So our Sarah Coder and uh, guy that does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, play with me with the Cubs. And then we also just hired a young man that played at Texas tech and played in the Braves organization. So we got four full-time guys, not including myself that, uh, you know, really kind of get us off the ground, but it's kind of, as a, you figure it out as you go. And uh, we're really passionate about what we do. And we've had a heck of a 2020. So we're excited about 21. You guys have really gone against the grain here, starting a business right in the heart of a pandemic. You are unafraid, right? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I I mean, I mean, went to Asia for five years and, and really found my, my rooting there. Uh, felt like we can do a lot of things. Did a ton of research. Obviously, if you ask my wife, I'll, I'll look up, you know, 17 different car models to figure out which one I want. So nothing I do is not planned or, or executed correctly. So we've done a really good job um, starting small and developing a, you know, really sound business model and stuff. So I'm really excited about where we are. Brooks, as Brownie mentioned, you're a big part of the bullpen last year, you, you know, and you mentioned that you're over in Asia for five years. And I'm just wondering like being in Korea for, for that long of a period of time, what was going through your mind? Did you feel like you were going to get another shot at uh, being in the major leagues over here? You know, it's funny. You know, I feel like that five years went by in a flash. Really? You know, I went over there being labeled as a 4A player and, and you know, really fought tooth and nail with the two teams that I played with right before I went about I wanted to be a starter. I wanted to be a starter. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think I, 
you know, I would always been kind of pushed. People wanted me to kind of get pushed into the bullpen. Um, I wasn't ready to do that yet. I feel like I had a lot of innings to throw. So, you know, AJ gave me that opportunity to go make that fifth, you know, every fifth day, make that start and throw your hundred pitches and, and go out there and compete for your team. And I love that. You know, I love being the ace of my team and, and I learned a lot being in that position. Um, transitioning back, I knew what my qualities were. I always had a lot of success against left-handers. I always felt like yeah. I held runners well. I did all the basics. I could field my position. I could do a lot of things well. And I said, why not? Why couldn't I throw 60 to 80 times a year in high leverage situations or be a gap guy now that the game of tradition, uh, transitioned away from starters going seven, eight, nine innings to going four, five, six, and kind of be that gap guy or late inning or, or, you know, finding your, finding your niche. Cause nowadays where the game's at, the, you know, every lineup is built, you know, against the starter. And that's obviously the, the team tries to get some most runs out the starter because the bullpens have been so locked down. So I knew that for me as being a specific role, I needed to carve out being more than a left-handed specialist. So in Asia, that's what I find to how to get right-handers out just because uh, I stopped getting to face left-handers there my last two years, every lineup was right-handed. So I think there was a lot of things that kind of fell into place, but for me, uh, I really appreciate what I learned there for sure. So you come over to the Astros on August 9th. You were, you were with the Cincinnati Reds, but it wasn't for a few weeks that I noticed anyway. Uh, I don't know if it was an improvement or just a, a change of the grip uh, in the cut fastball, which made you lethal against righties too. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, I think it was more of an identification of uh, not only pitch selection, but pitch usage and location. So okay. Uh, for me, I don't want to have to go too far down the rabbit hole, but, right. um, you know, my, my results and my success in Asia had come from throwing majority of, you know, two seams into left-handers and sliders away to left-handers and then cutters only up and into righties and no sliders, you know, immediately my first day at the Astra is like, Hey, you got three plus, you know, like elite pitches to left-handers and right-handers. Nobody ever told me that before. Right. And they're like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about throwing cutters to left-handers? And I was like, well, yeah, I just don't like doing that single to left field. They're like, they're not going to hit it. Just throw it, you know, here in these locations. So they gave you and data. They gave me data and they gave me a ton of confidence. And they're like, Hey, you're, they're out if you throw it in these places. And then on righties, they go, Hey, you don't have to just throw your cutter here. It's good all the way across at the top of the zone. I'm like me throwing fastballs up at the top of the zone. Are you sure? They're like hundred percent. And then, like, you know, your slider, don't try to throw it to back foot throw it in off the plate and you're going to have a lot of success there. And I'm like, I can do those things. And that's, funny. you know, the success kind of rolled after that. And I'm like, I mean, I'm all in Let's do this. So um, there's definitely some things that we're working on this off season to kind of throw more breaking pitches to the back door to kind of open up more righties, get them leaning. And then, you know, gotcha. cause I do a good job of the up and down game, but you know, left and right to kind of, um, like with a curveball, something soft, something soft to the back door. Cause you know, you get the four seam in the cutter up in the zone and, and chasing guys in. Um, and so I'm really excited about those things. I feel like I, I adapt well, you know, in Asia it's, you know, you'll, you'll have a, my, I'll, I'll never forget the meetings we'll have about the third or fourth inning. The other team comes out, whole team comes out right in front of their dugout and they have a circle up and the hitting coach has a conversation with the hitters, you know? So if you've had three, three scoreless, you punch out three or four, they're about to switch their whole plan. All right. <laughs> so you have to adapt, yeah. you know, yeah. and immediately they go, Hey, he's going to pound you inside. So then when they go have that meeting, you know, you next fastball inside this dude steps in a bucket and hits a rocket down left field line. You're like, all right, my turn to adjust. Yeah. And so a lot of that kind of helped me transition, not be afraid to be uncomfortable or, or make adjustments. Brooks, when you told us uh, this was interesting, what you had to say about Brent Strom and the 
and the analytical staff telling you about how they saw your stuff playing. And had you read the articles about when Verlander came to Houston, Garrett Cole, et cetera, were you expecting to hear this? You know, I, I feel like every organization you step into, you're not sure how you're going to be embraced. But day one, they roll you in there, you sit down and have what I felt like. I called my wife after I said, this is the greatest meeting of all time. Somebody actually told me I have great stuff and I'm in the big leagues, you know? So my confidence went through the roof, like, okay, I'm, you know, and then having Dusty pull me in his office and sit me down for 10 minutes and say, Hey, you're going to be that veteran presence for us. Like trusting your stuff. I feel like you've got great stuff. Strami believes in you. He loves what you got. And, wow. and then the analytical department was behind that. So um, I think it was a perfect storm for me. It was one of the first times in the big leagues where you're like, Hey, you belong here. You're, you're a good fit for us. And, you know, I always felt that way. I always felt like I just needed to get synced up with the right group of people. And, you know, the rest is history. You inherited 13 runners. Only one scored left-handed hitters hit 121. Uh, that was some kind of a dream year with those statistics. And you made the adjustment so well back to the bullpen. Do you feel now pretty comfortable going into 2021 thinking about doing it that way again? Absolutely. Uh, you know, what was cool is in the post season, you know, have Strami pull me aside and say, Hey, you're going to throw in some really tough situations, spaces loaded, et cetera. And you're going to face the top of the orders and the middle of the orders. And you just, we know that we, you're the most trusted guy we have. We have a lot of confidence in you in those situations to so just go do your thing. So, you know, looking back in those situations, the A's game, um, or the, you know, the raise game and giving up those flares down the right field line. I mean, those are executed pitches and, and tough, tough L's to take. And I, I felt like I embraced those well, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I love not giving up other people's runs. Um, but I think it also comes from a career starter. I mean, I think I have, I don't know, 1400 or 1500 innings as a starter and how many times a reliever comes in and tries to get you out of it or cashes yeah. them, you know, that feeling. And so to recognize, Hey, um, do your job well, uh, be prepared for your job and I always try to be the most prepared for my job in, in the, in the group. What was the hardest thing about preparing this, this past season without fans in the stands? Yeah. I mean, you don't get that adrenaline bump, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you're out there and you're competing. Um, and it really became kind of like a, uh, a backyard game essentially, you know, and, and what's so cool about the game where it's at now, you know, you can take it both ways of all oh, the, all the analytics that changed the game. It's no good for the game, but I take it as, there's nothing that guy doesn't know about you and you don't know about him. Right. And so it becomes a true cat and mouse game on, on all the things you learn from your childhood of, of reading swings to applying this data is all quantified into that, into that time. So you still have to hold runners. Well, now the game says, Oh, guys don't steal. They will steal any day of the week. If you don't give them switch up your looks or you're notorious for spinning the ball early or going to throw balls in the dirt or, you know, your times to first or, you know, slow, or you don't have a good pickoff move. So right. there's so many boxes you have to check in the game nowadays that go kind of unnoticed that I think is really cool because, you know, having conversations with these younger guys like Paredes and scrub and, you know, they're, they're learning as they go, but uh, the stuff is there, but it's now, Hey, there's a reason why that guy did that was because the night before you threw X, Y, and Z to these guys and they're going to adapt and adjust. And, you know, so helping them through that process is something I always wanted to be able to do and always kind of would have appreciated had I had it when I was younger. Was there ever in a point, let's say in September in the playoffs where you kind of forgot about the fans not being there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the craziest thing is when we went to Minnesota, right? It's, it's like, it feels yeah. like it's 12 degrees outside coming from Houston and playing in a dome, but it's, it's cold. 
but you hit that field and you see postseason slapped up on the scoreboard and you get this like, oh, we're in it. We're in it now. Right. Yeah. We're in it. These games count. You go home. And the most eerie thing about baseball, and I'm sure it's any sport, but just me, the experience of the postseason is when those games end, you know, you shake hands, you, you do, you have your speeches at night and the next day, the season's over, everyone goes home. And it's just like an eerie, wow, the season's over. And, uh, trying to remind those guys, you know, I guess my, I gave a little bit of a motivational speech to the, to the younger players. I was like, Hey, remember major league baseball rated us out of the 16 postseason teams, the worst bullpen. Don't forget that, you know, yeah. take that personally, be prepared. And so those guys did a phenomenal job them in some yeah. situations and, you know, having Framber and Javier do what they did was amazing. Um, but I think it was built around our offense being as good as it is knowing that defensively we're fundamentally sound offensively. We can, we can score with the best of them. Um, and so it was a lot of, a lot of fun just kind of seeing that error from uh, I think it was Polanco in the eighth, him making that mistake, us hitting a little flare in the center to cash one, us winning that game with Presley going in there, closing the door. And now we go, all right, it's time, you know, let's kick it on, like turn it up. And it was cool to watch this, those guys come to that clubhouse. Cause I always expected a winning team like those guys to really take it up a notch. And they did exactly that. And then going to Oakland and watching, you know, pretty much history with all the homers and, and, you know, big moments and, and, you know, Tucker and Correa. And I mean, it was, it was special to be a part of special time. Brooks, how did the, how did the new rule strike you about, left-handed relievers having to face three batters. How did that go for you? For me personally, like I said, I never, I think I probably left a little more uncomfortable against righties just because I didn't always try to develop a changeup, and it never ended up being what I had hoped it to be like a Johan changeup or, you know, even like a Cole Hamels. I looked at every grip, grip in the book and I never really could find that pitch to face a lineup for the third time. So moving to the bullpen, um, having to face righties, but knowing that I had a cutter and a slider, as Strami and those guys kind of gave me confidence doing that and then throwing a backdoor breaking ball and then having enough fastball to throw it up at the top of the zone and get outs um, was really an eye opener. And, you know, I don't know what exactly my numbers were, but I struck out a lot of righties. And I think the biggest thing that kind of gave me the most confidence is throwing in those, um, that angel series when we played the, I had to go in there and face the middle of that order in the, the uh, extra inning setting. And I ended up punching out, um, Rendon and Pujols and Trout kind of in order. And I gave up the hit to Otani to kind of walk us off. But that was kind of an eye-opening experience. Like, okay, like my stuff plays. I'm going to be all right. I just need to continue to, you know, hone my craft and find my way. And you have more of a variety than your typical lefty situational reliever. You really played that to your advantage in 2020, didn't you? No doubt. No doubt. And I've always had five, six pitches. It was just you know, I'd always hoped that I'd land in a place that could tell me, Hey, if you do this, this, and this, you know, those sliders up in the zone, don't throw them in, you know, the dirt or throw your curveball only to the back door, not, not at a right-hander, you know, or try to back foot him per se. And, you know, how many times in your career, you're always told, throw, throw your fastball down in the zone, paint the bottom of the knees. Like they never told me to do that. So that was a, that was a That's different funny. adjustment for me. So um, I needed that. I really did. And so I have a great appreciation for the staff and, and what they kind of instilled in me and in really the whole team. But Strom was a big piece of that. And I'm, I'm forever grateful. All right. This is the last question for me. I want you to convince me as an Aggie. Yeah. Why the Aggies belong in the, the playoff picture <laughs> in college football. Do they belong? They're 71. I mean, 
I mean, they're the only team you could take out is Ohio State, right? Right, right. I mean, for me, here's here's how I see it, and this is just a fan's perspective, right? Yeah. Anybody else looking? Uh, unbiased. Unbiased. I don't <laughs> think A and M can be a four seed if Alabama's a one, just because of the the twenty four point loss we had. I don't know if anybody can beat Alabama this year. Um, the way I see it is Clemson and Notre Dame game will be the one I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, I have to see Clemson fall to Notre Dame again for a to get in there. Um, I think all those teams watching that game earlier this year, Clemson was special even with their backup in there. Yeah. Um, but from a true Aggies perspective, I mean, I love the running game. I love the defense we play. I feel like they really hit their, their stride the last four or five weeks. Been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you roll into an Auburn game and you know that we don't play Auburn all that well and kind of play with them for three or four quarters or three quarters. And then the fourth kind of put them away with our defensive yeah. front. And that was a lot of fun to watch because Bo Nix had been a pain in our side the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, Mississippi state, you just play all these tough rivalries that we've kind of developed. And, uh, as a true fan, as you know, that you watch these games and you're like, I better get the popcorn out because it's going to get entry down the stretch, yeah. but watching that, that defense really play quality football. And I, Jimbo's I can done that a great to, job. Jimbo done a great job, but I also think yeah. A&M's got more physical, and, you know, a larger, you know, bigger players, bigger recruits. And I think that's really paying off these guys have, it's fun to watch a lot of fun to watch. I yeah. love a good quality running game and I think Mon's done a good job, but Spiller, uh, all those guys are, are really, really fun to watch. This guy's got the future as an analyst for football too. Sparky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Spencer Tillman right there. <laughs> One more yeah, for no me now too, Brooks, before we let you go, uh, looking at, at the totality of the 2020 sports season, we had the NBA in a bubble, the NHL in a bubble that went fine. But problems with football as far as COVID and, and basketball with college now starting and, and hopefully it'll go better. But uh, do, do you feel that baseball handled its season considering the travel uh, better than anybody thought it would happen? I think for being the front runners and not being in a bubble, absolutely. I think you have to credit the players knowing what was at stake. I think um, it was uncharted waters. So I would definitely credit the organizations. I mean, the, the, the staff, what our nutritionists and everybody, you know, cause usually you're just eating at the field and, you know, transitioning at hotels and having meals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, though, those people, the amount of work and the preparation they had to, to mm -hmm. provide for us, to not put us at risk of having to get out in the public for, to try to find a meal or, you know, delivery service or any of that kind of stuff, the, the extra work that they put in definitely paid off. I mean, you're talking about a very large group of people. You got, you know, 28 players at the time, plus the entire minor league system that was set up and, and transitioning from, yeah. I mean, it was amazing to kind of watch the, the coordination and effort that went into it. And um, I can feel for those other industries, but I would definitely say baseball did it right. And 2021, I think would be a mirror image of that. Maybe, you know, hopefully the vaccine and other things take well and, our numbers come down, et cetera. But I think there's a, there's definitely a way to get it all done. I hope that they, they find that and get us back out there as soon as possible. I know everybody wants to play with fans in the stands in 162 and, and go see what that all shakes out like. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. We can't wait for you to get the proper recognition from the fans for the job you're doing. And uh, what a great visit. Thanks so much for clearing time for us, Brooks. Happy holidays to you and your family and good luck with the new company. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the support and uh, have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.
Sparky, that was a delightful conversation. And, you know, it's so neat to have a guy who's just down the road in College Station uh, close by this winter, and the fans can really relate to him after watching him perform all year for the Astros. You know, I just love talking to some of these players who have more than just baseball going on in their lives. They're so interesting. And Brooks is just very mature, uh, played over in Asia, as he mentioned, for for five years. So got a, a really good perspective coming back. And, you know, for somebody who's just been with this organization for a short time, he's become a leader very quickly. Pluckers is the official home of Astroline. The Astros Hot Stove Show continues right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Check out the Astros team store in Union Station for all your holiday gift needs. Stop by Monday through Saturday for the latest Astros merchandise or call in an order for stadium side pickup. Visit Astros.com slash team store for more information. Bill Brown and Steve Sparks with you. And Sparky, we got off onto some other topics earlier in the show, but I wanted to mention uh, you took part in some food distribution today. Yeah. Tell us about how that went. Well, it's the Astros Foundation who get out in the community, and Twyla Carter, who does a fantastic job, uh, put together a very smooth operation. We had about 25 volunteers to go out and, and distribute uh, food to about a mile's worth of cars coming through uh, that, that baseball academy that the Astros have. So. Uh, it's, it's always humbling to get out there and, and be of service, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and I, I think uh, we did a lot of good for a lot of people in need. As you saw the expressions on the faces that's it, of yeah. the people, that was reward enough, correct? You know, uh, that's what the holidays and Christmas are all about, you know, is giving back, and, and we've known that since we were kids, but uh, just those gentle reminders to know how lucky we are and fortunate we are uh, to have some of the, just some, some of these little things uh, can get lost in a pandemic sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, very easily. Well, our next guest is Andre Scrub, and he, he made such a, a nice debut with the Astros yep. in 2020. And now it's it's we're worlds away from Andre Scrub because we're sitting here. It's been a beautiful, sunny, <laughs> warm day in Houston. And let's check in with Andre back east. Oh, it's uh, it's a cold one for sure. It just started snowing. We got a we got a storm coming in, a snowstorm. So, you know, up here in New Jersey, it's 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 a cold Christmas for sure. Yeah, I think I saw four to eight inches are coming your way on the forecast. You don't want to hear that, do you? No, no, I'm up in the I'm up in the mountains, so I got about two feet coming my way. So, what do you do to stay in shape? I mean, you can't go outside. You got indoor facilities. You can throw indoors as well. Absolutely, I go to King's Baseball Academy in uh, Airmont, New York, and uh, uh, Coach Bones' facility and where I live in uh, Rockaway, New Jersey, and they help me out. And you know, I I give back, help with the kids sometimes. So, yeah. You know, give and take so I can get out of the snow. All right, Andre. So this time last year, it was a much different thing. Uh, you, you were coming off a, a nice minor league season, but it was minor leagues, uh, all-star in double A. This year, you just finished a campaign where you pitched the entire year uh, with a big league team that made it to the playoffs, and you were a big part of it. Uh, what's the difference this, this offseason for you? Uh, just knowing what it takes to be up there and stay up there. You know, you see the guys work ethics when you get to spring training and in a season and it just blows your mind. Uh, obviously everyone works hard, 
but the consistency and uh, the energy they bring every day. So really taking that into the off season and pushing myself to the limit uh, almost every day I can, uh, you know, to be ready for the team to help them out. Dusty Baker put you in, into a lot of tough situations last year, especially for somebody who was making their major league debut. Did that in, in some weird way instill a lot of confidence that you knew that your manager trusted you? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, it makes a him, you know, uh, Brent Strom with his positivity and, yeah. you know, you got a veteran like Ryan Press saying before Asuna went down that, you know, when they come up to you and be like, Hey, make sure you're taking care of yourself. You're one of our dudes. You know, when they're giving you those kind of comments, you know, I'm talking veterans that have done it. Uh, yeah. that definitely gives you, uh, you know, a sense of confidence. And it wasn't just me, you know, they, they'd go up to Blake Taylor, Anoli. And I mean, it's, it's awesome to have that kind of guys, a uh, group of guys that would give you that kind of confidence. It was a truly an unusual year, not only for you, but, but so many guys, you know, making their major league debuts. And um, I, I guess you guys just decided that you were major leaguers and you were going to perform well at that level. It, it isn't that easy though, is it? Oh, no, it's definitely not that easy. Uh, you know, we pushed each other, uh, helped each other this season and, but really turned it on in the postseason. Uh, <clears throat> Brooks really pulled us aside and, you know, shared some comments online about where we ranked uh, in the postseason, uh, the team, the bullpen, and fired us up a little bit. They pulled us in there. He pulled us in the Minnesota right before the series started. You know, fired us up, gave us, you know, let us know that we could do it. And, you know, we went out there and did the best we could. Wasn't it a difficult thing for, for many of the players physically? There were so many injuries last year. And uh, just the general vibe that we would hear from, from a lot of players was, well, you know, we started in spring training and, shut it down. Then you've got an abbreviated spring. Then it's right into the season. Is that what made it tough the starting and stopping? Uh, I definitely think it made it tough uh, for the guys that have been doing it a lot longer. Uh, you know, us uh, or the guys that were in the minor leagues a year before, you know, you may come in for three innings. You may come in for one. It's usually a lot of irregular. Uh, you have an irregular schedule in the minor leagues. It's not as catered to, uh, you know, keeping everybody healthy and stuff. And, the guys that have been doing it for years, they get the extra time in spring training and, you know, they slowly build up. I a hundred percent agree that, you know, that was definitely difficult. I mean, it was difficult for me, but I can only imagine the guys that have a routine spring training, how many innings they get in, you know, I, I can only imagine. You got traded over from the Dodgers for Tyler White. We always hear about these meetings that the, the pitchers will go and talk to the analytics department, Brent Strom and say, these are your strengths. We think you should do this more, this less, whatever. What was that meeting like for you? Uh, so when I got traded to double a Omar actually pulled me in and then the season ended up being in the big leagues this year. Okay. And he told me, he's like, Hey man, you remind me a lot of Wilma Paris, you know, they want yep. you to learn a slider obviously. And, but you know, it was very nonchalant and on spring training, I got pulled in with the entire analytical team of Brent Strom and there was my, my stats and my, what I could do. And then Will Harris's and, <laughs> you know, obviously when you're going to be compared to someone that good, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously another confidence booster, but basically just saying, you know, you're here for a reason. Your, your profile plays. We obviously want you to learn slider and we want you to be as efficient as Will Harris was. And obviously that's not an easy thing to do. So it's not an easy thing to do, but you, you talk about them wanting to, to develop that cutter or the slider, but what you're known for is the curveball, And it's got, I think the fifth most uh, vertical break of anybody in the major leagues. And that's, that pitch in particular is always going to play against righties and lefties. Did you know that coming in? I mean, as a relief pitcher and with a three batter minimum and things like that, did you know that that was going to help you a lot? 
I was a little nervous because when I was with uh, LA, they always told me that my curveball wouldn't play against righties in the big leagues. So really? I, I was, I was, you know, a little nervous. Uh, there was these graphs and I guess the shape and the velocity didn't really match up well. Well, when I went to the Astro, they said it's going to play. It's more in the white. It's not so in the blue, but it's going to play, especially if you set it up with the heater. So, you know, hearing that from them and seeing it, you know, do, you know, it's harder to land. It's definitely harder to land than most pitches. But, sure. Uh, it, it, you know, it definitely gave me a confidence boost having some success with this year for sure. You talk about the meeting with the, with the manager, the pitching coach, the analytical staff, and then you get in this bullpen mix with, with Brooks Raley and uh, the different guys, Presley and the different people out there. And does that form a little bit different thought pattern in your mind too, with what they tell you? You know, when it comes to Ryan Presley slider, obviously everybody wants that. Obviously I'm trying to learn a slider. So, you know, we'd speak about those kind of things. Osuna try to show me his changeup. I haven't figured that one out. I haven't figured out the Presley slider yet. Obviously, if it was that easy, you know, we'd all be that good. But, uh, you know, uh, that's mainly what the bullpen's about. Uh, just uh, the, the advice and picking each other up for sure. And there's nothing like the success and the feeling that brings to you at the highest level in the world. What did that do for you to get in the mix and to have successful outings? I mean, it definitely uh, fired me up to work even harder this off season and get even better. Uh, you know, everyone keeps saying it's, it's hard to make it to the big leagues. It's harder to stay. So, yeah. you know, I have that in the back of my mind and working as hard as I can to get back up there to, you know, definitely help the team uh, get to another postseason. What are you doing uh, out in the community? I, I saw some stuff here just in the last week or so you're doing some stuff with the players Alliance. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, uh, I uh, saw some stuff on Instagram. I didn't get, uh, anyone messaging me. So I reached out to one of my old teammates, Josiah Gray. And, uh, he got me in touch with, uh, Curtis Granderson and, uh, I grew up huge Curtis Granderson fan. Sure. So it was a little weird talking to him. And, uh, but they let me know that they were going to be in Coney Island and that they want, you know, as much help as possible when it comes to the players. So we went out there, handed out some food, handed out baseball uh, gear to the kids in need, you know, stuff like that. Just, inter you know, uh, hanging out with the community. And, you know, uh, weirdly enough, my dad's family's from New York. So my aunt showed up out of nowhere and uh, got some food for her church. So it was, you know, it was, you're giving back, but it, I mean, it feels so good to do it. It is weird talking to Curtis Granderson. Are there some guys that you've, you've met in the last six months or so or, or pitched against that just kind of just, made you stop and think, man, I, I'm here now. I, I could, I could name a lot. I mean, yeah. Uh, Mike Trout stepped in the box, obviously Anthony Rendon. I'm talking guys that Albert pool host. I mean, I, that's just one team. Uh, right. Yeah. You got, there's so many, so it, many. It, it, mean, it gets your attention though. Doesn't it? 110% of the time it gets your attention. Have you changed your routine any at all this winter? You mentioned the indoor workouts, so you don't have to worry that much about all the snow that you may be getting, but uh, are you mm -hmm. doing the, the same normal routine that you've done in the winter months? Uh, just working with the diet dietitian a little bit more. Uh, obviously, when I'm coming a little more leaner, uh, a little more, you know, agile, uh, I'm a, a, a tad bit bigger. So uh, just really working on getting more lean mass uh, instead of the fattier mass. So that's the only thing I've really changed. Uh, I'm doing the workout plan the team gives me, and they do an awesome job. So sticking to that. All right, last thing from me, Andre, uh, what did the Astros tell you? What did Brent Strom tell you when you left, what they wanted you to do this off season to try to get better? Um, honestly, I think with the lean mass, it's just going to be like body control and repeatability. Okay. Uh, you know, not being scared to go in the zone, 
uh, obviously limiting walks would be, you know, crucial. Uh, isn't that hard? So sometimes, I mean, you got put in situations with the bases jacked and you can't give in, right. And, and sometimes it's, it's better to walk in a run than it is to give up a double, isn't it? Uh, I, so the, the right answer is no, you'd rather just give up the double, give, give your defense a chance. But I mean, you know, it's been a story my whole career. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get in that zone. I'm trying to get these outs. Uh, yeah. you know, my, my debut night bases loaded one out walking a run. So it's got the double play after that, but. But you I think mean, your body want... doing some things with your body and your balance and, and uh, repeatability will help you get in the zone a little bit more consistently. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, you know, if I can deliver, I have the same delivery every time. I mean, it's only a matter of hand placement at that. And, you know, Brent Strom and these guys, Josh Miller, all these guys are some of the best in the game when it comes yeah. to teaching and molding pitchers. So, you know, as soon as I get the body where it needs to be, I'm sure it'll crack me into something. Well, Andre, thanks so much for the visit. It's been a great one and we wish you continued success. That was quite a year you had last year. And I know you're looking forward to the time when you'll have fans in the stands so everybody can appreciate each other a little bit more in 2021. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Andre Scrub, always interesting to hear about a guy who's just made his debut. He told us about that, Sparky. And he's going to be one of the keys in this bullpen. It's going to be interesting to see the makeup of this bullpen in 2021. Well, I mean, there was a lot of pitchers for the Astros last year who made their major league debuts, and they all kind of came in there together. And there were a few, Anoli, uh, Paredes, Andre Scrub, Blake Taylor, a few of those guys really shined uh, above all the others. And I think the Astros are going to rely on Scrub for years to come. And I think the biggest reason is is because he has a curveball that's better than just about anybody else's in baseball. And he talked about it. It's, it's tough to land that pitch for strikes a lot of times, but with more repeatability in his delivery, I think he's got a chance to be a really uh, great asset for this team. Astro Line coming your way, presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for fun. From Pluckers, the official home of Astroline, the Astros Hot Stove Show, it continues right after this. Baseball season, it comes and goes, but Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! Join the Astros Virtual Buddies Club today. For $25, we will ship a buddy's backpack, socks, hat, and lanyard right to your door. Virtual Buddies will also have the opportunity to be selected for exclusive virtual experiences that are continuing through the offseason. Visit astros.com buddies for more information. Bill Brown and Steve Sparks wrapping up another Astroline for you presented by Carbach Brewing, crafted for fun. From Pluckers, the official home of Astroline, the Astros Hot Stove Show. Boy, I, I think that uh, after the first of the year, Sparky, that's when people really start to watch things as far as that transaction list. There hasn't been much so far, but how much of the log jam do you expect to be broken after that calendar flips over? Well, there's a lot of players out there, so I don't think anybody's in a, in a huge hurry because of the surplus after, you know, there's a lot of players that weren't offered arbitration, you know, so they became free agents as well. So I think that's what we're seeing right now is everybody's just kind of waiting around to see which bargain they can pick up. So uh, the Astros have plenty to, to choose from. 
Uh, I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers that, uh, uh, that they address a few needs. In particular, I think that the Astros, uh, are, like everybody else, are going to need some pitching. You know, you think about how few of innings that were logged last year and the spike in innings that's going to take place for a lot of these pitchers next year, and I think they're just going to need a lot of extra insurance guys, uh, you know, going back and forth from Sugarland just to keep some of these innings down. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we could look at things in a lot of different ways, but let's take a look at the Astros infielders uh -huh. because we're not sure what the outfield alignment will be for 2021. Right. It's reasonable to say, I think, that all of those infielders could have much better years than the 60-game season numbers they had in 2020. Yeah, when you look at the regular season, I, I think you can say for sure, my goodness, Bregman's way better than what he did uh, last year, and he'll, he'll say the same thing. Correa showed it in the playoffs, but in the regular season, I, I agree with you. Altuve, certainly. Gurriel, certainly, uh, have shown much better on the back of their baseball cards that uh, you can expect them to meet a lot better uh, offensively. We don't know what happened to that offense last year, and there was uh, there's some legitimate concerns that we had for a few of those players, but some guys stepped up. One of them was Kyle Tucker. He's in the outfield. Uh, Maldonado had some big hits in, in the clutch, but uh, I, I'm not really worried about this team's offense because I think that uh, there's enough of a track record to assume that these guys are going to come back and, and have great years. Christian Javier, for me, was just one of the most pleasant surprises I can remember in a long time with the Astros. He was great, you know, and they're going to they're gonna need guys like him and Urquidy, uh, some of these pitchers, to, to really step it up and, and continue to, to uh, go on that path to, to what the Astros need as far as uh, the backbone of this team. And now with Grinke and McCullers, uh, uh, Javier, Urquidy, and Framber Valdez at the top, I, I think this team has a good nucleus. What's the Sparks family going to be doing for Christmas? Reading Broadcasting 101. <laughs> I'm sitting here next to Bill Shakespeare, not Bill Brown. Uh, you wrote a book, Broadcasting 101. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, my daughter's in broadcast journalism at Oklahoma University. Uh, she's enjoyed it. Uh, we've enjoyed it. Uh, so I hope a lot of people go to Amazon, Broadcasting 101 by Bill Brown. Thank you, Sparky. It's been a pleasure to hear from guys like you in that book. A lot of tremendous life stories. And uh, we want to wish everybody certainly the best of, uh, as my dad used to say many years ago, felicitations of the season. There you go. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds borderline uh, <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> but, no, what, a, what an unusual year it's been. We're all so anxious to get to 2021. We are. So let's do that. And thanks for joining us tonight, Bill Brown and Steve Sparks, signing it off for Astralon, presented by Carbock Brewing, crafted for fun. And we say so long from Pluckers, the official home of Astroline, the Astros Hot Stove Show. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.